You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. It is hour number two. Coming up, Joe Biden says he's going to veto a bill protecting female sports. Now, um, this is one of the latest pieces of absurdity that uh, it's just become overwhelming that women are mad, men are mad for the women, and uh, and this is ridiculous. And it's going to do a face plant. And and I hope that women realize that the Democrat Party all they all they think you care about is abortion. That's it. All they think you care about is abortion or gun control. That's it. And it's pretty uh, pretty disgusting, actually. They distill the uh, the desires of American women to one issue, which is abortion, which, by the way, provides a pretty convenient out for male Democrats in the country. You know? So uh, we're going to get into that. And this, this kind of, I'll tell you why, it kind of hits home for me. Not only the fact that I have a daughter, um, I have a wife, I have a mother. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and they, they were all born women, you know. And, and uh, my mother was very proud of being a woman. She was never weak because she was a woman. She was always very proud. And I would venture to say uh, she would make a better president of the United States than uh, most Democrats any day of the week. Unfortunately, she's no longer with us. When I was a kid, I, I grew very quickly. And a lot of the times, you know, uh, girls uh, are, you know, start to mature earlier. A lot of times you'll notice that girls are taller in sixth grade than a lot of boys. And then boys around freshman year in high school just go boing, you know, well, in other ways. Uh, but anyway, I, <laughs> I was always really big. I was 5'8", 5'9", 170 pounds in sixth grade. I buy it an entire wrestling tournament. I know that's going to sound funny. I used to get leg cramps so badly because, you know, growing pains. My, my folks would have to carry me upstairs. Because I was growing very quickly. I did it before puberty. Ultimately, I topped out in eighth grade at 6'1 and 245 pounds. And I had 35 quarterback sacks because I was playing against kids who were, I mean, the next biggest kid on our team was 135 pounds. And he was huge. And one of the things that I had to do was uh, when it came to wrestling, I had to go wrestle with high school students. So literally, uh, one coach would drive me to our high school for wrestling practice in eighth grade because there were there was nobody in junior high who could wrestle me other than the coach, and they decided to send me to high school. And Iowa wrestling is a true no. They take it very seriously. I mean, they keep the like in the exercise room, they keep it above 100 degrees. You do 300 push-ups, 200 sit-ups, uh, all sorts of a sundry takedown. Uh, it is the it is the most brutal workout you can imagine. And there were some bigger kids on the high school wrestling team. And the kids who weren't bigger beat the snot out of me every single night. It was like, oh, soft eighth grader who's really big, let's just beat the snot out of him. And so I did every night. Now, it, what would happen today? Well, I'd say, you know, I'd say, uh, well, I've decided that I want to be a girl. And uh, then I could just go be uh, the girl and beat the snot out of the girls, right? Isn't that what it is? It's kind of funny. I've got a nephew who literally is, uh, he's in his 20s, and he is a head coach of the girls' wrestling team at a school uh, in Iowa. And no boys are wrestling on it. And so I, I understand how uh, kids can mature at different levels. But once you pass 18 years old, 
boys are always going to be girls. It's very obvious. It's very, very, very obvious. Even me at 57 years old, I can still push two plates, 245. I can still, uh, you know, curl 80, 70, 50, 60, you know, in, in descending order. I'm still very strong. I'm stronger than about 90% of the women uh, in the United States right now. I know that sounds very arrogant, but physical strength, yeah. Just, just the way it is, and I've been training my entire life. But that's just the way it is. And, and uh, the Democrat Party wants to <clears throat> side with a, uh, uh, a radical leftist uh, group of people over the uh, concerns of American women because all they care about is that women can get abortions. And so we'll, we'll get into this. I want to mention Carl Higby's got a new show on Newsmax. It's called uh, Front Line with Carl Rigby, uh, Higby. And, and Carl's a really good guy. I, uh, I've gotten to know him the last couple of years. He was a uh, former Navy SEAL. He joined the military right after 9-11. He quit school to defend our country. He is a brave man. He is a great guy. He's a down-to-earth guy. And you really ought to watch his show. <clears throat> if you want uh, a show you can connect with. He asks probing questions. He has great commentary. He's part of the uh, Newsmax powerful lineup. Greta von Susteru and I watched last night. Rob Schmidt, who's the he's a rock star. Jen Pellegrino. I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, just get the Newsmax app on your phone. You want to check it out, or just go to NewsmaxTV.com for listings. And of course, we're back on uh, on Directv at channel three forty nine, three forty nine. I think we should talk about uh, grilled season and Alejandro Mayorkas, the DHS secretary. I think we should do that. But first, we should hear something from Jim Gossett about our open southern border. Down in the West Texas town of El Paso, Biden blew our southern border by plan. Five million illegals. Joe won't go down there and deal with the crisis, cause he's a dunce and a senile old man. Did they ever find the solution? They were going to do that. The border's exploding because Biden's done nothing. Taking the week off hit in Delaware. Oh, yeah, he did it again this weekend after going to Ireland. People are suffering as laws are broken. Joe won't address it because he doesn't care. And he's got fake hair. I just threw that in there. Even the mayor who's a Democrat, he's really hacked up at Joe. Won't lift a finger, he lets chaos linger. Unless he's in an Six elevator. thousand what? a day cross the border, they go. With an intern. <clears throat> Trump's 42 is about to expire. Knowing Joe, he will allow it to die. He wants illegals as Democrat voters. Elections don't count. Kiss your freedoms. Goodbye. So, uh, by the way, 99% of foreign nationals scheduling appointments at the United States-Mexico border via President Joe Biden's migrant mobile app are being released into the nation's interior. 99% of them. So basically, if you grab the app, all you got to do is show the border and you're in. 
And Alejandro Mayorkas, he shows up with this arrogance and this hubris that is unbelievable, even though this little weasel should be, uh, he should be impeached and removed from office. Then they should begin criminal proceedings. But here he is yesterday preening before Congress and blaming all of this mayhem and murder. 100,000, uh, 108,000 drug ODs last year, 75% from, uh, from fentanyl and the largest growing group, 12 to 18 year olds. Uh, the policy of the prior administration to separate children from their parents was one of the most heinous uh, policies <laughs> no, um, uh, in, uh, in our uh, recent uh, memory, most certainly. Um, very proud of the work of the Family Reunification Task Force, which uh, I'm honored to lead. Wow. What we do is we enforce the law. But let me just say this. <laughs> You're yes. not. That's, uh, by the way, Josh Holly. You're not enforcing the law. It's a joke. And everybody knows it's a joke. And you, sir, are a joke. And by the way, the most sinister thing about this man is that he had to reveal last year in congressional testimony that the DHS had created a Department of Disinformation that had branches throughout the entire deep state into social media and the mainstream media, controlling the narrative on everything, just like the Soviet Union used to do it. And this man shows up after saying that border agents were whipping Haitian migrants and not defending his border agents. And he and he shows up. You know, the reason why he shows up at these hearings, well, he's compelled. And he also has no sense of shame whatsoever. It is remarkable. Let's go to Alice in Catonsville. I know she's been holding for a while. Alice, hello and welcome to the show. Sorry about the wait. Not, not at all, Rob. Love your show. You're wonderful. Uh, love everything about it. Um, I, I was just thinking about, you know, last hour you were talking about all of the gun violence and everything. And, you know, one of the um, uh, ways that the Democrats decided that, you know, we should try to deal with um, unwanted pregnancies and we should, you know, be careful about, you know, with um, uh, a whole bunch of uh, sexual viruses and all that is that we would have sex ed in schools. So um, if, if gun violence is such a problem, I think that we should have, uh, you know, gun education in schools again. So I mean, we yeah. have to have, like, gun clubs and all that. So why don't we do that we, so we can uh, yeah. educate kids on how to operate firearms safely. How about that? Alice, I would be completely down with that, but unfortunately the <laughs> teachers' unions are are, uh, are run by Democrats, and all they do is parrot the same talking points as the Democrat Party. I'm with you 100%, Alice, and I and I hate to, to, to do this, but, you know, when I grew up, here I go, and I grew up, me, Rob Carson, when I grew up in, the, in Iowa, uh, literally, the kids would show up and park their cars in the parking lots, and half the boys had pickup trucks with a gun rack in the back window. And nobody ever thought about going out and getting that shotgun and taking care of a bully or taking care of somebody. And nobody even thought about it. You know why? Because uh, if you even thought about it and your mom or dad got wind of it, you got your head knocked in. You know, that's just the way it was. Um, but, it, but it is. It's ridiculous. I appreciate the phone call, Alice. When I was a kid, I mean, literally, we kept loaded guns in the house. You're crazy. No, no. We respected them. When we go to target practice with my brother Larry, uh, we'd stand out there. He was a police officer, and we'd put cans on the fence post or a pumpkin or whatever, and you'd get the gun, and you'd point it barrel down, and then you'd go and take your shot. And if you had your foot an inch in front of my brother's foot while he was shooting, you got smacked upside the head. My mom kept a gun in her uh, in her 
nightstand till the day she died. My dad kept shotguns in the house loaded. That's just the way it was. We respected guns, and guns are a part of American culture created because we had used citizenry to overthrow a very uh, totalitarian regime. Citizens did it, and they used their weapons of war. Okay, that's why it was. It wasn't because they were trying to put down a slave rebellion. That's ridiculous on the face of it. Ridiculous on the face of it. It was created because we had just crawled away from this totalitarian regime using our own weapons, and they created an amendment that guaranteed that people would be able to keep and bear arms to defend themselves against enemies, foreign and domestic and they, after that conflict, the military conflict that they won, did not create the Second Amendment for turkey hunting or target practice. They created it so average citizens could possess weapons of war. I know. But what about tanks? Oh, you know, really? No, not at all. It's not even, not even the same argument. But that's why it was created. I hate to tell you this, <laughs> but that's just the way it was created. Oh, oh, I got to get into the, uh, the, gorilla, the, uh, the grilling here. Uh, we just heard from Alejandro Mayorkas. This is uh, the great Josh Hawley throwing uh, Alejandro on the grill with regard to uh, the southern border and his abject failure being in charge of it. It is stunning to me, stunning to hear you say that the prior administration reunited children with their parents. Oh, I see. When so this fact, is their fault. When in so fact, you're not going to take any responsibility for the indentured servitude and exploitation of children that is happening on your watch. A moment ago, you were crowing about the fact yeah. that you treated children so well, yeah. and yet we find tens of thousands of children who are forced to work as slaves yeah. because of your policies, and you turn around and blame a prior administration. By the way, in the state of Iowa, they just lowered the uh, age that you can to work in uh, places like meatpacking plants. They did that in Minnesota, too. Uh, try to tell me the Democrats and Republicans in, aren't in on this. A little bit more from Mayorkas on the other side of the break. The number is 800-922-6680. Back in a second. His first grade teacher said he talked out of turn. Worse after he's missed a day. Well, things haven't changed. It's the Rob Carson Show. Turns out that China has uh, six illegal police stations across the United States. The FBI shut down a Manhattan outpost used to spy and harass dissidents, by the way. Hey, there's one in Omaha, Nebraska, my hometown. Yeah, yeah, what they're doing is they've got, uh, literally, they have police stations around the country to go after Chinese dissidents. Imagine what it would be like if the United States set up American police offices in uh, in China. It wouldn't work out so well, would it? Or or build battery factories featuring and uh, a, a, an office for the Chinese Communist Party in, uh, in a state like Michigan. Do you suppose that would happen in China? It's kind of interesting. U.S. and Western authorities have warned China's government has increasingly exerted pressure to silence critics abroad. Oh, and by the way, hundreds, if not thousands, of Chinese military-age men are streaming across the southern border. Did, did you know that? You didn't know about that, did you? But otherwise, uh, nothing really to worry about, right? I mean, nothing else to worry about there. Just a whole bunch of military-age Chinese men coming across the open southern border. There is, uh, there is that. I'll, I'll share details on that coming up. I want to get to a little bit more of uh, 
Uh, Josh Hawley here real quick, and Alejandro Mayorkas, who's supposed to be in charge of the border, but five or six or seven million people have come across the border. 99% of those who get the app to illegally cross the border get in and aren't screened, including military-aged men from China. Mr. Secretary, this is par for the course for you. You do it every time you appear before this committee. You do it every time you appear before Congress. I, for one, am sick and tired of it, and thousands of children are in physical danger, danger, because of what you are doing. You know what would be good with a nice grilled Mayorkas is some nice uh, fresh sweet corn. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Maybe you could throw some portobello mushroom caps on there, turn them upside down, put a little soy sauce, garlic, and ginger in there. That would be fantastic. Oh, oh, hey, we got another chef here. This is Senator Roger Marshall. He wants to grill up some uh, Mayorkas here. Let's go ahead and throw that, throw that guy on the grill. Mr. Secretary, you are derelict in your duties. I would be derelict to not do something about this. And that's why I have a draft resolution here that I intend to introduce in the coming days that would require the Senate to take a vote of no confidence on Secretary Mayorkas. As I've stated on the record before, I stand at the ready to receive articles of impeachment from the House and conduct an impeachment trial in this body. I hope that happens, and I hope that he is brought up on criminal charges eventually as well. Oh, 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 about the uh, Chinese military-aged uh, males coming across the southern border. Check it out. New video taken on the ground along Central America's Darien Gap shows hundreds of military-aged Chinese men headed toward the U.S. Anthony Rubin owns MuckRaker.com, took that video, and joins me now. Anthony, thanks for being here. Why are they coming? Are they Thank seeking you for this? No problem. Why are they coming? Are they seeking asylum or something potentially more nefarious? Oh, I'm leaning toward the nefarious after nefarious, the nefarious after the Chinese spy balloon, uh, you know, and all that, and the million barrels of oil coming from our strategic oil reserve into China. We sold it to it, and Joe Biden being bought and paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, listen, I'm not here to speculate. I'm going to let your audience watch the video and you guys can come to your own conclusion. I don't <laughs> yeah. really want to get into all that, but the yeah. video speaks for itself. I think I put up two of, uh, you know, showing the line of these military age males that are lining up to get on these buses to, buses to come up here. That's happening every day, multiple times a day down there. So, again, I'm not going to speculate. Um, you know, if you have a more specific question, I, you know, we can get into that. It certainly doesn't look good. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Certainly doesn't look good. Just for now, if, if uh, hundreds and maybe even thousands of American military-aged men were sneaking across the border into China, how long do you suppose that would last? Yeah, it, it wouldn't even happen. The geography perspective, I'll press you on that. If they wanted to come to America, yeah. which is here, yeah. from China, which is here, yeah. why would they come through Latin America, which is all the way down there, and much more indirect? Oh, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. Call me. Okay, I'll let him answer. Uh, right. So, I mean, this would be for people who can't fly into the U.S. directly. So what they do is they get on a flight and they fly into some South American country. Uh, this is Anthony Rubin from muckraker.com. Then from there, they would go to Colombia. They would go across the jungle, pop out in Panama, and then they would head up to the United States. But this is going to be for people that can't fly into the U.S. directly because you're correct. It wouldn't make sense. You'd rather just fly into the U.S. and overstay your visa. Um, this is for people that don't have that access for whatever reason. Um, we're under assault. In case you haven't figured it out, there's a reason why five to seven million people are coming across the border. There is a reason why we are enabling, not we, but our federal government is enabling a wholesale illegal invasion into the United States of America. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm not a panic monger. I, I don't watch uh, the nightly news to be freaked out, but uh, you, you're going to be, have to be ready.
because right now we are under assault. We have been for a couple of years. We are in the middle of a conflict in our country. We are being attacked by China. We are being attacked by the left in this country. We are being attacked by our deep state. We are being attacked by this administration. I could go on and on. I'm just saying, be ready for anything. Okay? Not trying to scare anybody. I'm just saying, be ready. Coming up, MTG's got some unbelievable news about the Biden crime family that could end up putting some of them in jail. That's on the way. It's the Rob Carson Show. Joe Biden has always been a punchline. Now he's just a joke. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show. I can't think of somebody who I'd like to talk to more this morning than or this afternoon than New Hampshire GOP Vice Chair Ryan Terrell, considering what's happening in America's inner cities in places like Chicago over the weekend where 35 people were shot, eight were uh, fatally shot, including a uh, 17-year-old, 21-year-old, 20-year-old, 32-year-old, 31-year-old, 21 21-year-old, 20-year-old, 14-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking maybe we got a problem in America's inner cities with uh, the desecration of the family and the celebration of uh, of violence and the, the, uh, not criminalization, but people... literally looking at kids who succeed in school and making them into pariahs for some reason. And uh, uh, Mr. Terrell joins us on the Newsmax Hotline. How you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me today, Rob. I'm excited to talk with you and your listeners. I've been uh, uh, checking out your uh, Twitter feed today, and uh, you were raised by a middle-class family in New Orleans. How did you end up in New Hampshire? Yes, yes, I am. So I ended up in New Hampshire in 2011 after receiving an academic scholarship to Southern New Hampshire University. You know, before this year, people thought I was moving up to Canada when I told them I was going to New Hampshire from Louisiana. (laughs) But I moved up here. I graduated in 2014. And now I proudly call myself New Orleans Hardware and New Hampshire Software. So I'm loving it up here. (laughs) It's fantastic. Um, You know, uh, I I would imagine, uh, Ryan, that you get a little... Uh, pushback from Democrats, uh, particularly people of color, when you mention that you are the New Hampshire GOP vice chair. What is the reaction that you get generally? What have you What have you had to deal with uh, uh, becoming a member of the, the Republican Party? You know, it's a great question. And I would honestly say that a little bit is a massive understatement. So not only am I met with pushback, But often when I write op-eds, when I talk about my values and why I align myself with the Republican Party, when I talk about my love for America and the traditional conservative values that built this country, when I talk about the love for God that I have and how it instills everything that I do, not only do I get pushback from Democrats, but I openly get called extremely racist and divisive terms. I've never been called anything racist or discriminatory from anyone else except leftists and Democrats. I've been openly called an Uncle Tom when I was first nominated to the State Board of Education. I was called a token by a Democrat that was sitting in office. And so not only are the ad hoc attack on me as a person, but me as an individual, a black American who's proud of this country and who's proudly Republican, I represent exactly the opposite of how they see the world. Democrats and leftists see America as systemically racist, where I know that it's been the greatest engine for human prosperity and flourishing in humankind. And so the reaction is always negative. The reaction is always adverse. And so my role is to stand up proudly 
and really talk about our history and, and who Republicans actually are. Ryan, I have been saying for years that the uh, America is the greatest engine of individual and economic freedom in the history of mankind. If it were not for America, you'd still be pooping in a shack outside your house, and we wouldn't be flying anywhere, and you'd be traveling across the country, take you three months to get there, and half of your party would die of diphtheria. All right, so uh, I'm kind of done with that. But I think it's interesting you said that. Uh, one thing I, I um, th- that I really find troubling is uh, the disconnect between uh, middle-class people people of color living in suburbs, uh, taking care of their kids, sending them to school, and what's happening in America's inner cities and the seeming, not only the disconnect, but the lack of, like, uh, you don't hear as much concern. You don't hear from uh, people living in the suburbs about what's happening in the inner cities. It's kind of like you don't hear white suburbia talking about uh, trailer uh, trailer parks and meth labs in uh, in Arkansas. Why, why is that? Why is there a disconnect? Why is there no concern for the kids? dying in in America's inner cities? I agree with you that there is a willful ignorance and a willful lack of attention towards the extreme violence and what I would argue is a narco-terrorism that's been afflicting overwhelmingly minority communities and I also should mention overwhelmingly run Democrat communities across the country. This is not new. Growing up in New Orleans, Louisiana in a middle-class household, I certainly am not new to understanding how violent it is when I was growing up. New Orleans was the murder capital of the United States as it sat several times since. And so dangerous environments being really in danger of people that look like you, meaning other black Americans or minorities, taking your life was the norm. I never was raised to be scared of police officers. I was always understanding that if there was any violence that could be put upon me, it would be other black Americans. And I think the reason why that's willfully ignored by corporate media outlets and other pundits is because first, they benefit from proposing solutions to try to solve this problem. That's what you have with DEI. That's what you have with these professionals who try to obfuscate the facts and try to use systemic racism as the boogeyman. But then also what it highlights is poor Democrat progressive policies that have directly caused those deteriorations, not only in the family, but also in those communities. And so it's a twofold issue, the reason why they're willfully ignoring those facts is because it it shows a mirror on their own inadequacy. This is spectacular. This, these these are things that I've been saying forever, and I'm a white guy, Ryan. I've just been, I, dude. I have been since as long as I've been in radio, which is longer than you've been alive. I have been fighting for inner city kids, and I've thus far in the 30 years that I've done this, I've seen now the second generation. This happened, and it keeps going on, and Democrats never have a solution. You know why? Let me tell you my story here. When it comes to black people, Democrats make all sorts of promises, all sorts of this is going to get better and that's going to get better, and they and they promise, and you're going to get this, and you're going to do, and we're going to fix, and the schools, and the whole deal. Then the day of the election happens, the next morning, they leave some money on the dresser, and they get up and leave. And I use that metaphor uh, proudly, because that's the way it is all they care about and that's why they never talk about the inner cities because they know they have those votes they know they have the votes and you hit the nail on the head they aren't looking for solutions they have rely a reliable block of voters that they can string along but i think ryan we've kind of reached critical mass Chicago was an example over the weekend with this Lori Lightfoot saying all these kids who came downtown to destroy and wreck and rob and injure and all that. They were just kids out enjoying a nice spring day. 
And I think we've reached critical mass where people are finally realizing we're being lied to. I agree with you. Black Americans, people of all races and backgrounds are waking up because the facts are now obvious. When you look at what's happening in these overwhelmingly Democrat-run cities, when you look at progressive, soft-on-crime policies that promote anarcho-terrorism, what you're referencing in Chicago is a version of anarcho-terrorism that's being allowed by state and local governments in pursuit of what they call soft-on-crime um, progressive politics. And so it's really sad because everyday rational people, regardless of their race and background, are looking at this and, frankly, they're scared for their family and their overall well-being. You're seeing businesses of all levels flee these cities. And so the worst thing about this and what you're describing is really pathological altruism, this idea that because you care so much that you can yes. overlook the unintended consequences, that is not only harmful for black Americans and other minorities, but it's frankly stifling our American exceptionalism. And I believe that it may morally bankrupt us if we don't make a sharp course direction. That is, I, I, I just don't even believe this. Um, you know, you are, you are right here with me on so many of these things I've been talking about for so many years. Uh, I just think it's amazing that, uh, I mean, you, you, you get it. Let me ask you about your, your childhood. You, you were raised a middle-class family. You had devoted family. Were you raised by grandparents? Were you raised by mom and dad? I saw that on the, on the post this morning. Tell me about your upbringing. upbringing. Family. No, I appreciate that. And, and my family upbringing is certainly central to who I am as, as everybody. And so I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. My family has always been middle class. I'm a proud byproduct of public schools. My mother made it her frank job to make sure that I was always exposed to the highest level of public education possible. That meant that she would wake up early in the mornings and drop me off an hour and a half away in Algiers to a charter school. It meant that she constantly involved me in summer school programs and Sunday school. I constantly was at my grandmother's house who encouraged me to read. My grandmother would not buy me anything unless it came out of a Borders or a Barnes & Noble. I was constantly involved in learning. And so I come from a traditional nuclear family. And yes, my dad was back and forth in our household and he had his own problems with alcoholism. But for the most part, you include my uncles and my grandfather, I had the great blessing to know my great-grandfather. He lived well past 100 years old. These are the people who inspired these traditional conservative values in me, and they never sat me down and told me this stuff. I simply watched what they did. My grandmother barely earning a, a high school diploma, starting her own salon business. My yeah. grandfather in the same predicament coming from the deep south in Mississippi, being given away, starting his own dirt hauling business. My mother taking care of me and making sure that I was constantly inundated with love and a, and a love of reading and learning. That's what propels me on the State Board of Education. That's what propels my love and overwhelming advocacy for traditional values, because this success sequence, a nuclear family with some type of a religious background, marriage, and then having children and buying a household in that sequence is the undoubted, unproven best methodology for social progress, regardless of your race. And so that's what I proudly promote as a part of our GOP platform. You know, I want to believe you, but I think you're a white supremacist. Uh, because, you know, <laughs> uh, honestly, you, you, not the first time. Here's the deal, bud. Um, listen, I heard just literally a few weeks ago that, the, you know, I've driven my kids to school every day. You know why? Because I like being with my kids. Uh, and, I, and I've had a schedule where I could do it. But I heard that driving your kid to school was white supremacist. Clearly, your grandparents were white supremacists. And consequently, I think you are as well. 
Oh, I mean, listen, <laughs> this, this new race-based group is an offshoot of the 60s. They want us to be back in this 60s civil rights era. They emphasize yes. that period. Yes. So the reality is that black Americans have not only succeeded, but they've overwhelmingly succeeded despite our terrible history in the yes. of coming from slavery. I was taught to be proud of the fact that our ancestors rose from being enslaved by yes. Democrats. This yes. is the biggest crack in their armor is that <laughs> Democrats are always talking about America's deep-seated hatred and white supremacy, America's Jim Crow South. But what they obfuscate from those facts is they are the original enslavers. They are the party that didn't want women to have voting rights. They are the party that overwhelmingly crushed Americans' dreams by telling them and resegregating public institutions. And then they claim that the party switched. This is a party that from its founding, the oldest party in America, the Democrat Party, has based its entire history on racism. But now they hide it behind loving terms like DEI and affirmative action and harm reduction. These are just subversive terms that hide the fact that these are the same racist policies from the 17 and 1800s, just modernized and washed down today. Let me ask you a question. Uh, where is the uh, where is the Jackie Robinson of uh, of Namibia? <clears throat> Anybody? Uh, where's the where's the Wilma Rudolph of uh, Chad? Where is the Martin Luther King Jr. of Ukraine? Uh, the United States of America has uh, is, has its sins with regard to race, and certainly the original sin of slavery, which existed around the world. We had states in America, colonies that never had slaves before the Declaration of Independence. But the greatest black people in world history have come, uh, not exclusively, but certainly. I mean, when you look at the list and the impact on humanity. From the United States of America. There's no doubt about that. And I'll also mention, have you ever seen the uh, Chinese uh, uh, Olympic team, Ryan? I have. Yeah, they're all Chinese. They thought you should know that. And not, not very diverse. Not very diverse. So I'd say America's pretty amazing. Ryan Terrell, would you, could you hold on for another quick segment? I, I'm enjoying the conversation. There's a few things I'd still like to cover, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, my friend. Hold on. A little bit more from uh, Ryan Terrell, the uh, New Hampshire GOP vice chair. Uh, outstanding. I'm loving this. If you want to call 800-922-6680, this is The Rob Carson Show. To all the American haters and anthem kneelers. I think it's misguided to protest the anthem and the flag. Yeah, we're done with you. It's The Rob Carson Show. Talking to a very impressive individual, a New Hampshire GOP vice chair, Ryan Terrell. I was reading, you know, Ryan, I had a, I, you know, I never understood the white privilege thing, you know, because I grew up on a farm. My father left when I was seven. I started working in fields when I was 10 years old. We got government cheese when I was like 12. We thought, uh, my guy, we thought it was a gift from heaven. We never got any aid from the government. We never got food stamps or anything. But one summer we got government cheese and we were like eating grilled cheese without the, without the bread. It was like a gift from God. We never lived so large. And I'm reading on your, on your textbook. Or on your on your on your uh, Twitter, it says here you lost everything when Hurricane Katrina destroyed uh, uh, New Orleans. You lived on dollar store food. Tell us about that experience and uh, and growing up and becoming uh, self reliant and, and what you learned from the the difficulties you went through when you were growing up. Sure. At 14 years old, Hurricane Katrina caused me to be relocated, like several other New Orleans residents and frankly people that lived in the Gulf Coast. And when I packed my bags to relocate, me and my mother and my immediate family didn't know that we'd never see home again. 
But when I packed my bags, and as you could imagine, it was very light. If you've ever met or been a 14-year-old boy, you know we don't pack that heavy. So I had a couple of pairs of shorts. I had a few pairs of shirts and stuff like that. But my mother made sure that I packed my high school uniform because she said no matter where we were, if it became the week of school, I was going to show up to somebody's school and I was going to have a school uniform when I showed up. And so when we left New Orleans, we thankfully evacuated three days before landfall. We went to Mississippi. We lived without power for the first four weeks or so. And we stayed in hotels. I don't know how they were paid for. I was too young to understand the finances. But what I did know is that all eight of us, all the way up until my great-grandfather, my great-aunt, we moved as a unit and lived off of the kindness of strangers, our own fortitude, and our love for the Lord. Because what happened is we would call into the FEMA hotline almost every day. We would sit on the phone, and I would largely do it and sit on the phone for hours trying to find some type of an apartment aid or some type of rent assistance or food programs. We were never provided that information. So for years, I went through different states, attended several different high schools, and basically went from blow-up mattresses on the floor to sleeping on blankets on hotel floors. You know, when I was going to school, not only was I dealing with the regular pressures that every other young person is going through, but I literally only had the clothes that I left Katrina with. Often, some of my clothes still had mildew on it because we couldn't regularly wash our clothes and they would sit and have to air dry and not even be done before I had to go to school the next day. I got to tell you, though, Ryan, I'm I'm a little disappointed. I mean, you should be demanding reparations right now. (laughs) So I think the reason why my whole bent is the way that it is is because that experience not only showed me that where you are is where you are and you can make a home anywhere, but it showed me that in this country, not only can you start over, but you can actually use what looks like something terrible as an opportunity. Because I left New Orleans, I was able to not only see the country, but ultimately wind up right outside of Baton Rouge, going to a very good high school and having a great high school experience, graduating and moving on to college, and using that experience of hardship and adversity, instead of falling to a victimhood narrative, I used it to strengthen my character and my resolve. Not everybody reacts like that. I wish more people do. But in this country, a victimhood narrative and pushing systemic racism on children and infantilizing their minds and telling them that they can't control their livelihoods, we are decreasing America's ability to do that more and more. Ryan, I'm with you. I had a very rough childhood. I I won't even begin to get into it. Poor, abused, uh, bullied, the whole deal. Um, And and if I had the opportunity to do it again, I'd probably have to keep it the same because it got me to where I am right now. And it's been a hell of a bumpy road. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I am am grateful for your time today. I made the reparations joke because I believe in cities like uh, San Francisco. This is an attempt to cover up the uh, malfeasance of the Democrat Party and its policies by offering, uh, you know, a little pittance to people uh, to make up for their failures to get to to make sure that they get their votes. So that's why I brought that up. Listen, we got to run, Ryan. I have really appreciate we own New Hampshire, by the way, we're on five stations and I plan on coming out there very soon. I would love to meet you and I'd love to have you back on the show. I would love to speak with you again. I'm certainly open to meeting in person. Let me know when you come back down. I'll certainly show you a great New Hampshire time. And thank you for letting me speak to you and your listeners. Really a great conversation. All right. God bless you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Uh, Let's take a break. It's the Rob Carson Show. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com. 
we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. Hour number two of The Rob Carson Show. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to James Rosen of Newsmax. He's the guy who broke the story about Hunter Biden uh, and uh, his uh, malfeasance with regard to you know, making lots of money for the Biden crime family. And we know that a whistleblower is uh, coming forward and saying that, you know, we've all heard about this Hunter Biden tax probe and everything. Uh, you know, we know that the IRS is sitting on this, uh, sounds kind of weird, sitting on a probe uh, and nothing has happened. And the reason being is because the deep state is all in for the Biden crime family. The deep state is all in for the federal government and uh, and uh, corruption be damned, to be quite honest. Um, Hunter is under investigation by the DAJ for tax fraud, money laundering, a, vir- a bunch of, uh, of lobbying laws. And now an IRS agent has disclosed concerns for, to both the Treasury Department Inspector General. And, uh, and basically what we're saying here is that all this stuff we're hearing about the Biden family the bank records and whatnot, the federal government has been actively uh, shutting it down. The federal government has been actively shutting it down. And the thing that is really uh, happening now is that uh, James Comer is uh, subpoenaing bank records and the banks are complying. So the banks that have handled the uh, Biden administration or at least the Biden family's uh, financial transactions are coming forward and basically saying, Oh, yeah. Uh, it looks like uh, they've been uh, selling influence around the world for a very long time to the tune of millions and millions and millions of dollars. James Comer reeled in March. The Biden family received a collective $1.3 million in 2017 from a Biden family business associate who was sent $3 million from CEFC, a Chinese uh, energy concern. We have that. Oh, and this also, I didn't know if you knew this, back in 2013, I talked about this. It's in uh, Peter Schweizer's book about Joe Biden. Uh, he, uh, uh, Hunter flew with Joe Biden aboard Air Force Two 2013 to China before Hunter's firm inked a $1.5 billion deal with a subsidiary of the Chinese government's Bank of China less than two years or two weeks after the trip. And this was a guy who was kicked out of the military because he was uh, uh, doing cocaine. Uh, His laptop, he was so high, so out of his mind, he left uh, several laptops at a computer repair store. That is shown that he... uh 
has uh, basically been uh, a crack-addled crack prostitute monger and has exposed the Biden family business, which is about selling influence. We have a president who is compromised in the White House. And it should be fairly obvious with regard to China, with regard to, I don't know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the COVID virus. You know, we got another government agency, the Senate now saying, oh, yeah, it came from a lab in Wuhan. It appears that we paid for it. And yet Joe Biden uh, has never held China account for it. Why is that? Huh? I don't know. Why uh, did Joe Biden allow a Chinese spy balloon to fly over the country? They tracked it from when it left, and it flew over our military installations, did figure eights, gathering data. And Joe Biden didn't shoot it down until it left our continental United States. Why is that? It's Chinese. Oh. Oh, yeah. Here is uh, James Comer uh, doing the investigation, talking about all the Biden family LLCs. These are limited liability corporations. I have one myself. I do. It doesn't really do anything. Uh, I just, I got it. I created it just in case, you know, things expand and, you know, I become like the next Dan Bongino. Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, here is James Comer. As you know, we went into the Treasury uh, assuming that there were four or five Biden family members involved in this Biden family influence peddling scheme. We assumed there were about a dozen banks. We assumed there were uh, a certain number of suspicious activity reports. Uh, What we quickly learned from going through the thousands of pages of bank violations that were this family was involved in, there are nine Biden family members and counting, Sean, there are at least two others that I would bet money on will be implicated before long. There are many more banks that were involved. There were many more LLCs that were involved. This was a family enterprise. But the LLC, Sean, they don't appear to be legitimate businesses. They're, they're no, shut up. sole purpose from what <laughs> my analysis is thus far is they were just used to try to disguise or launder, however you want to describe it, where the source of the revenue was. And the source was, you know, places like the Chinese Communist Party, yeah, uh, places uh, in countries that honestly have worse reputations than, than China. Yeah, like Ukraine. As you know, we went into the Treasury uh, assuming that there were four or five. So there you go. I mean, uh, we've got uh, a president of the United States who's compromised millions and millions of dollars and the FBI covering it up. And i got to tell you, thank God for whistleblower laws in this country because otherwise we'd never know about it. It is, and, and thank God that uh, Hunter Biden was so high out of his mind that he left uh, a couple of uh, laptops at a computer re- a repair store and signed over the ownership if he didn't come to, come to reclaim it. It's pretty remarkable. Here is a little bit more from James Comer about the Biden family business that has uh, raked in tens of millions of dollars from our enemies, particularly China, and doesn't make anything. The banks picked up on this. That's why they filed bank violations. And then they went directly into Biden family members' personal accounts. It wasn't for seed capital like the Biden lawyers are trying to claim. And when they talk about legitimate businesses, I have yet to find a legitimate business. I found a lot of LLCs. We continue to find more. Yeah, yeah they, they don't make anything. They just rake in a lot of money. And then you've got, uh, let's see, Penn Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania. University of Pennsylvania gets $70 million from the Chinese Communist Party and $60 million go to the Penn Biden Center, which does nothing. I mean, dear God in heaven, are you serious? Meanwhile, you got Alvin Bragg in New York making up 
charges, making up 34 felonies against Donald Trump. And by the way, the wheels are coming off that. I'll get to that in a few. Clearly, that is a distraction. But again, as I said earlier, the truth is going to come out. The truth is coming out. And even CBS. I couldn't believe, actually, that Catherine Herridge didn't have the report because I love me some Catherine Herridge. But this is CBS television. Now, none of the other networks, they're still shilling. Okay, the, the, the major networks are still shilling for the Biden family. If there were any other president, it would have this administration would already be over. There would already be impeachment proceedings. There would already be removal from office, all of the malfeasance. There certainly would be in-depth congressional investigations that would result in charges. It would. Please. Guys, we're witnessing, and you know as well as I do, we are witnessing the most corrupt uh, operation in the history of our country. Not only the Biden administration, but the Biden administration working with the deep state to cover up Everything from Biden's uh, uh, sale of uh, influence to our enemies, to covering up the laptop in time for the 2020 election, to covering up the fact that Joe Biden had more classified documents that Donald Trump ever dreamed of in various locations, including in his stinking garage. But all of this has been made up to cover up this and even CBS, even CBS gets it. Listen. There is breaking news in the federal criminal investigation into Hunter Biden's tax returns. An attorney for an IRS supervisor sent a letter to lawmakers today asking for whistleblower protection, saying his client has information that suggests the investigation is being improperly influenced by, quote, preferential treatment. And I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine they'd be getting preferential treatment after, I don't know, the FBI covering up the Biden laptop and the FBI being involved in the 2016 election and creating the uh, the Russia collusion hoax to defeat Donald Trump. I can't believe it. Yeah, I can. Politics. Here's CBS News chief investigative correspondent Jim Axelrod. Jim Axelrod. My client wants to come forward to Congress. He's ready to be questioned about what he knows and what he experienced under the proper legal protections. I think CBS is trying to get on the right side of history. Attorney Mark Lytle's client is a supervisory special agent at the IRS who's prepared to tell Congress the investigation he's been working on has been hampered by what he thinks is special treatment. Typical steps that a law enforcement investigator would take were compromised because of political consideration. Now, wait, wait, this is the same IRS that shut down conservative uh, uh, 501c3s uh, back when Barack Obama was the president during midterms. How could this possibly be true? Oh, yeah, the, the IRS is legitimately just a tool of the Democrat Party to punish people. That's really what it has become on the top levels. It really, really has. Lytle wouldn't talk in specifics, declining to identify either his client or the target of the investigation. Yeah, because he doesn't want him murdered. And his client helped conduct. Can you identify him? I can't at this stage, Jim. But CBS News has learned the investigation the whistleblower worked on is about Hunter Biden. What we're doing is is being completely cooperative. That was Biden two years ago. Yeah, sure. After the DOJ opened an investigation into his finances. The FBI collected what it believed was sufficient evidence to charge Biden with tax crimes. Why hasn't that happened? And last year, Senate's findings to the U.S. attorney in Delaware. Since then, silence. Isn't that interesting? Maybe it's because Joe Biden is the president. Yeah, pretty much. That's what it is. This is Jim Gossett singing about Hunter and the family. <laughs>
the louse that you have seen. And this louse is bite and sound. Now he's a great guy. If Hunter told the truth about Pop, the big guy would be done. This was the Democratic Party's out, by the way. Now Hunter was a Navy man. Party doesn't want Joe to run. Till he failed that drug test. Yep. Then making money off his daddy's name. Came his crooked quest. Now Hunter's raked in millions. Millions! And he took from everyone. Doing drugs and strippers too. And this louse is Joe Biden. Yeah, I think the reason why this is coming out is because, A, you've got a whistleblower, B, you've got a a congressional investigation, Jim Comer, and C, uh, the Democrat Party is looking for a way to get rid of of, uh, Joe Biden. That's what I think. And, and, you know, there's a there's a critical mass. Is it more worth protecting Joe Biden and his presidency or saving the Democrat Party from collapse? And uh, and I think that the Democrat Party is being introspective and are about ready to kick the ship's captain off the SS Titanic. Uh, we will see. On the way, uh, uh, Joe Biden has invited the Tennessee Three to the White House, but will not allow families of the Covenant School massacre victims to come in and uh, and much more. Here's a number if you want to chime in: eight hundred nine two two six six eight zero on the Rob Carson Show. Donald Trump says he's the funniest man on TV. Just wait till he hears him on the radio. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is. You can also follow me on social media. Just look up, uh, let's see, I'm on Getter, I'm on True Social, I'm on Instagram. Instagram, I know, I know, it's uh, Rob Carson Show. Instagram's all about food, by the way. Uh, Last night I made, uh, are you ready for this, cheeseburger pizza. Yeah, cheese. I know that sounds very, you know, like uh, whatever, white trash. But it was really good. Uh, I made a cheese, must, ketchup and mustard as a sauce, cheeseburger, onion, pickle, uh, and cheese on top. It was sick. It was sick and wrong. Cheeseburger pizza is amazing. Uh, just look for Rob Carson Show on Twitter, Rob Carson Show on Getter, Truth Social, and Instagram if you'd like to uh, follow me on any of those things. Any of those things is cool. So, uh, you heard about the Tennessee Three, right? There are these three uh, people in uh, Tennessee that disrupted a congressional hearing because they were throwing a temper tantrum. And, uh, you know, it's it's in response to the school shooting at the Catholic school, uh, the Covenant School in Nashville. And uh, they want to uh, push uh, stronger gun safety laws, even though there's no finish line there. There's no specific law or gun involved here. We know that they wanted to go after uh, assault rifles. Then it turns out that uh, <clears throat> the rifle used by the Covenant shooter, <clears throat> not a uh, an assault rifle, as it were. Uh, but that doesn't matter. So they're, they're throwing a temper tantrum. And uh, this, is, this is the kind of stuff you're seeing in America's cities where you just throw a temper tantrum and that's, uh, that's tantamount to some sort of, of a political movement. Um, but State Representatives Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, who are two 27-year-old men who uh, dress up in their father's clothes uh, and stand in front of a mirror um, and or dress up like uh, Malcolm X or, or um, 
who Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, in their clothes. Uh, they're, they're oversized and they look like buffoons, but they're trying to mimic uh, a political movement that was meaningful to, uh, to get behind a political movement that is nonsensical, which is what they're doing. And they've got a den mom for the scout group, uh, Gloria Johnson. And they've all been invited to the uh, White House. But it's weird because uh, none of the families of the victims of the shootings... Being invited to the White House. Wonder, I wonder why that is. Oh, it's because it depends on who does the shooting and who gets shot, you say. This is a Corinne Jean-Pierre being asked about the fact that they're going to bring these uh, buffoons who interrupted a proceeding of a legislature, which, by the way, would and should get the FBI to track you down using cell phone records and throw you in jail for 800 days without trial like they did on uh, January the 6th. But you see, they're very selective. The FBI is uh, very selective. You know why? Because they're crooked as hell. Here is Corinne Jean-Pierre. And then one more. So Monday, you're going to have three of the lawmakers who protested after peacefully protested who peacefully protested after the oh yes peacefully protested just like they did the summer of 2020 bill covenant school shooting have any of the victims or the victims' families been invited to the White House? I don't have anything to, to read out to you. Victims of what? What? I'm sorry, what were we talking about? I'm just talking about the three political tools that we're inviting up here. About any invite. Why? I just don't have anything at this time to read out to you at any invite. What I can say to you right now... What is that? ...is that the president is focused on getting things done. He's... <laughs> That is fantastic. Focus on making sure that... He called a, a lid on his day. Uh, what was it, Monday? Nine in the morning. We are protecting our communities, that we're protecting our schools, uh, that we're protecting our churches, we're protecting our grocery stores. No, 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 you're not doing a damn thing. Grocery stores, no. people, as we know, in Buffalo went to the grocery on a Saturday and got murdered. Ten of them were murdered. We see what's happening in our schools. And that's why he's bringing these legislators here, to have that conversation and to see what else can... No, we no, 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 no. It's about tokenism. That's what it's about. Be done. And to highlight that, that's what the president is using the bully pulpit for. That's why he continues to put pressure on Congress to get things done. Make sure that they're showing some courage, Republicans in Congress. What, what's the finish line? Where's the finish line? Uh, here's a little audio from these, uh, these uh, morons in uh, the Tennessee legislature. They did it again, by the way. They got reinstated, and they, uh, they did the same thing. They brought a bunch of uh, people into the, uh, the observation area in the legislature and uh, pitched a fit. By the way, if you go into our nation capital. Uh, you have to surrender your cell phone. You, When you go to watch a congressional hearing and, and, and sit, you cannot say a word. If you say a word, you get booted. I know this because I went there. I didn't get booted, but that's what they do. But this is okay in Tennessee, I guess. Yeah, this is who they're bringing to the uh, to the Capitol, and here they are. Listen to this: this is when I talk about uh, dressing up in your dad's clothes, here they are singing a, an old school civil rights era song for legislation. They have no idea what they're trying to do. They just want to get rid of guns. This is fantastic. These guys don't even know the words of the song. These uh, these two young guys, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, you could give them like the, uh, you know, the themes of the uh, the the lyrics to the theme song from the Jeffersons, and they think, you know, we're moving on up.
to the east side to a deluxe apartment in the sky. They, you know, it doesn't really matter. And there they are singing some some sort of the civil rights movement uh, 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 non sequitur song, a song that literally led people through uh, out of uh, bondage, and they're singing it because they didn't get their way in the legislature. And the legislature is saying, you know, um, just getting rid of guns ain't going to do it. How about we uh, put an armed resource officer in the schools because we're not going to do anything about getting rid of the Second Amendment. How about that? Oh, yeah, that doesn't get the headlines. That doesn't get the sound bites that inviting three radical legislators to the White House does. James Rosen, Newsmax, coming up. Don't go anywhere. has been trying to get you to hate America for 50 years. And we're fighting it and we're fighting it hard. Guess what? It ain't working. It's the Rob Carson Show. Coming up, James Rosen of Newsmax. He's on the White House lawn today talking about a number of things, including this uh, FBI whistleblower who's about to uh, blow the lid on uh, Biden family uh, corruption. And also, um, it it basically exposed the fact that the FBI is working hand-in-hand with Joe Biden and his family to cover up the crimes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the the feces is about to hit the fan, and we'll get to that in a second as soon as we uh, figure out that he's he's off uh, and ready to go. I do want to mention uh, that... uh, (laughs) Did you hear about this? Eric Adams, New York City's Democrat mayor, uh, went vegan in 2016 after losing his eyesight to type 2 diabetes. What the what? Really? Uh, With his restored vision, Eric Adams has focused on another reason to avoid meat, the specter of anthropogenic climate change. So he's saying that, uh, that New York City needs to go on a vegetarian diet with him. This is what Democrats do. This is like what Karens do. Karens get offended by a, a high school mascot that's a Native American, and they uh, call and, and pitch a fit and get rid of the Redskins. That's what happens. They live vicariously. They see their little problems, and they want to project it on everybody else. So if I can't eat meat, everybody else does. And here's what Eric Adams says. What we put on our plate doesn't just affect us. We know how food is the third largest source of emissions in New York City. So what we eat is impacting our entire planet. No, it's not. You can't even see New York City. Uh, if you're in geosynchronous orbit above the United States, um, you can't even see New York City. All right? So how is that going to change the planet? It's not. It's stupid. He says, that's why today I'm announcing that by 2030, the city will reduce our food-related emissions by 33%, which will be a lot, uh, will mean a lot to people who are in uh, small elevators. I'm just going to tell you, because sometimes those food-related emissions, right there in the elevator. Uh, 2021, the city of New York spent $297 million on food, which allegedly resulted in the production of 123,000 tons of carbon dioxide. Emissions the plants Adams consumes happen to thrive on. So this is uh, just stupid, honestly. And I'll tell you, uh, as far as type 2 diabetes, um, uh, you 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 can beat it. You can beat it. You don't necessarily have to go vegan. Uh, he has chosen to be vegan, but, uh, yeah, it's all nonsense. It's, I'm told that uh, James Rosen is on the line. James Rosen, Newsmax, how are you? I'm blessed. Great to be back with you, Rob. It's great to have you on. You are on the White House lawn as we speak. That is correct, and so far the sprinklers haven't gotten me today. <laughs> have you ever had that happen, by the way? 
It happened to me two weeks ago for the very first time. I've been coming here for 25 years on and yeah, off. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was taking a little time out on the one of the sort of more obscure portions of the North Lawn. I was yeah. reading a book. And guess what? what? When they turn on the sprinkler system, there's no advance warning, I learned. Uh-huh. Well, I, I didn't want to say this, but actually uh, there is a guy by the White House. I actually saw him opening, opening the spigot when you started to talk. I, I don't know if you know that. It's just a rumor I've heard. Maybe maybe it was Eric Holder. Who knows? <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. So today you're talking about the uh, the budget. Uh, Republicans want to increase the debt ceiling, but they also want to cut spending. And, of course, any cuts to government are draconian. Are they still draconian, or are they what are they called now? <laughs> Pretty much heartless. Uh, yes. We saw in remarks by President Biden to a friendly union audience in suburban Maryland yesterday, and then again in a statement released by the White House Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, that was embargoed until 6 a.m. today, uh, that in, in essence they're calling these uh, MAGA budget plans of course. that they say are <laughs> aimed at uh, hurting the middle class, uh, uh, bumping people off of Medicare benefits and so forth while tax breaks are provided for the super wealthy. It's a line of argument that we've seen oh, from yeah. not just President Biden, but many Democrats in many election cycles with varying results from cycle to cycle. Now, um, so so I saw yesterday Kevin McCarthy was saying that they want to raise the debt ceiling. Got to have some uh, some cuts. There's a new poll out today, the American Action Network, uh, and they have said that basically Americans overwhelmingly support support uh, cutting a federal spending before raising the debt ceiling. Uh, what what is going to happen here? Is there the possibility of a government shutdown? What are you what are you hearing uh, as far as the budget and proceeding proceeding from here? Well, first on the polling data that you cited, it's interesting because absolutely Americans tend to favor when asked in broad terms if okay. they would like to see the federal government spend less money, and we're already running a, what a thirty one trillion dollar deficit. Yeah. Uh, they always say yes. But if you then go program by program yes. and ask if, if they would like to see individual programs such as Medicaid yeah. uh, or certain kind of welfare benefits cut, the, the, the numbers may differ. In terms of what's going to happen from here on out, President Biden has sent some conflicting signals. At first, on, on the one hand, he has said that he's just simply unwilling to negotiate with the Republicans on raising the debt ceiling, that if the debt ceiling is reached, which most economists expect will come in June if no action is taken, uh, the Biden administration says that will be destructive to the U.S. economy, cost six million jobs. Uh, on the other hand, President Biden has said he's just waiting for the Republicans to put forward their own budget plan. And at times he's actually said we can negotiate. Uh, and so that finally happened yesterday when Speaker McCarthy took to the House floor uh, and unveiled this new plan, the Limit Save Grow Act, which, yes, provides for a modest hike in the debt ceiling of uh, $1.5 trillion uh, or until spending runs out by next March, whichever comes first while aiming to cut $4.5 trillion in, uh, in discretionary spending uh -huh. by the federal government, trying to return the, the spending levels of the federal government to what they were in fiscal year 2022. That's also, in budget-cutting terms, a fairly modest aim. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I think the president recognizes, and his team, they recognize that they can't just simply uh, refuse to negotiate. Uh, both sides know that it would be very costly to the U.S. economy if the debt ceiling is reached without action. So I predict eventually you're going to see some kind of huddle. The two men, Mr. President Biden and Speaker McCarthy, haven't met in person or had a discussion yeah. about this subject since February. Unbelievable. And, and this is the first time I've ever heard $1.5,000 billion being considered a moderate cut. It's kind of odd. <laughs> 
kind of well, as the, as the late Everett Dirksen once said, uh, a billion here and a billion there, and pretty soon you're talking about real money. Yes, exactly. Now, I don't know if you're covering some of the other uh, things going on on Capitol Hill. Yesterday, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, was removed or couldn't speak anymore after she uh, said that uh, Eric Swalwell slept with a Chinese spy and then called uh, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas a, a liar, a liar. Uh, what, what sort of uh, fallout are you hearing about that exchange yesterday? So reportedly, and of course I cover the White House, yes. my excellent Newsmax colleague Kilmini Ducart covers Congress, yes. uh, but just from paying attention to these things, uh, it was reported that the chairman, the Republican chairman of that committee, uh, was very displeased with Representative Green's outbursts uh, and plans to ask the House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, to have her removed from that committee if there is another such outburst. Gotcha. Uh, and, you know, it, it gets to a, a real uh, fundamental issue about modern politics, which is that the committee leaders or uh, the, the House and Senate Democratic and Republican leaders and indeed the DNC and the RNC just simply exercise a lot less control over their own members than they did 20, 30, and 40 years ago, yeah. in part due to technology and to the easy availability of fundraising and messaging through social media. And uh, some people, some folks who've been around the Capitol a long time tell me that they see now that the incentive structure, the reward structure for an individual member of Congress uh, who is mostly concerned only with the next primary election that they might face yeah. are much greater for, for, for defying your own party leadership than they are for falling in line behind your party of leadership as, as, the, <laughs> as the norm used to be. Of course. Uh, you've also got the big story of the IRS whistleblower saying that the Biden administration has interfered in the Hunter Biden uh, and uh, Biden family tax fraud probe. What are you hearing? Uh, this, this sounds pretty explosive explosive even cbs did a story on it last night well this is a potentially a very significant development a uh, high-ranking uh, criminal supervisory officer at the irs who investigates tax fraud and that sort of thing um his lawyer has has sought whistleblower whistleblower protection from the congress uh in the form of a letter from his attorney uh, who's with a major firm here in washington that was sent to lawmakers on both sides of the aisle uh, it was also stated in this letter that this IRS officer has already sought whistleblower protection within the IRS, uh, wow. contacting the inspector general. Of course, to the average American, uh, they see that Hunter Biden has been under active FBI criminal investigation uh, in regards to his finances and overseas business dealings since 2019. Mm -hmm. And indeed, it was this reporter who first broke that story in the closing days of the 2020 campaign cycle. Wow. When I was reporting for the Sinclair Broadcast Group, oh, yeah. I was the first reporter to break that Hunter Biden was under active FBI criminal investigation. At the time, Mr. Hunter Biden, the Biden-Harris campaign, the FBI and DOJ all said nothing until after the election when Hunter Biden, as we all know, confirmed the reporting. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think any case that goes on this long without some kind of action, uh, where it's principally based on uh, available information to the government in the form of tax records, phone calls, documents, um, that would be rather unusual. So yeah. I think that um, this <laughs> development potentially comports with what Americans already think about this case. Exactly, exactly. Also, uh, apparently uh, Alvin Bragg got a little gut punch yesterday, and a federal judge has denied uh, the DEA's Alvin Bragg's request to block the House GOP subpoena of uh, the ex-prosecutor who went on to write a book, wrote a book <laughs> about uh, Donald Trump and going after Donald Trump. What have you heard about uh, what's happening in New York with regard to uh, Alvin Bragg's case against Donald Trump. So a federal court has ruled that uh, House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan of Ohio can lawfully subpoena 
this former prosecutor who worked with Alvin Bragg, the DA in Manhattan, uh, on potential uh, cases against Donald Trump, and who resigned in protest and then went, a, then went and wrote a book mm-hmm. about his experiences when he was displeased, this former prosecutor, Mark Pomerantz, that uh, D.A. Bragg did not pursue the case against Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Since all of that happened, since the prosecutor left and wrote his book, uh, the D.A. Alvin Bragg has now indeed pursued the case uh, against Donald Trump. And we saw the former president uh, arrested and indicted on 34 felony counts in connection with payments to the uh, the actress Stormy Daniels. Yeah. Um, however, the federal court that is allowing the Judiciary Committee to proceed with its subpoena of Mr. Pomerantz has also um, stayed that or halted that for the time being. Uh, but uh, it's interesting because it's not at all clear that it's sort of like when a dog chases a car. Yeah. What happens if you actually catch it? Um, <laughs> I don't know that Jim Jordan's going to be entirely thrilled with the testimony he might receive from Mark Pomerantz, yeah. who was very gung-ho about prosecuting Donald Trump in the Stormy Daniels case. Yeah, we will see. Uh, I, uh, I'm thinking about reading the book, but I think I'll wait for the movie, actually. I think that's what I'll, uh, I'll do. But anyway, I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate you joining me today. I don't know what kind of movies you like to watch, yeah. uh, Rob. Yeah. You know. Uh, I'm not thinking I would watch this one. <laughs> anyway, I appreciate you joining me today, James. Uh, by the way, if you see kind of a pudgy, bald guy mowing the yard, it could be Brian Stelter. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> Haven't seen much of him lately, but I do. I don't think you'll see that. He's got a nice gig with Vanity Fair now. So. Oh, Fabo. <laughs> you know, I think his long cutting days are over. All right, very good. Uh, thanks for joining me today, James. I greatly appreciate it. Enjoy your work and continued success. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Rob. All right. You know, the thing I like about uh, uh, him is, James Rosen, is that uh, he is just so well-spoken. I mean, uh, if you listen to James Rosen, he, he really focuses on every word. He, he crafts his words very nicely. That's, that's one of the reasons. And he's a hell of a journalist, too. But he, he really does. I, uh, there are some people that I, you know, I like to consider myself to be well-spoken. I can always do better. But there are some people that I, I, when they speak, I go, oh, listen. And not only to what they're saying, but how they're saying, the words they choose. I just think he does a, uh, a great job, and he certainly is uh, awesome to have on the Newsmax, uh, on the Newsmax staff. All right, so coming up, I do have some audio from Kevin McCarthy about the debt suit. I know it sounds boring, but it's kind of a big deal. Uh, also, um, you know, while they're uh, bringing uh, radical uh, disruptors to the White House, uh, more shootings are happening around the country that are being ignored by the White House. We'll get to that. Your phone calls are welcome here, guys, at 800-922-6680 on The Rob Carson Show. Back in a few. Bulldoze the swamp, pave it over, and start again. It's The Rob Carson Show. The Economist and YouGov survey found that uh, Newsmax, the network, I, I'll just be honest, I work for Newsmax. I have a TV show on Newsmax. It is called Rob Carson's What in the World? And by the way, it just finished uh, wrapping up this weekend's episode. It is in the can, as it were, which, you know, doesn't mean what you think, Democrats. But anyway, we, we finished up the uh, the taping of the show. I, I do all of the, I do all of it myself, actually. I, I, I have an editor named Brian who kicks butt, a guy named Joe who just totally uh, gives me advice. And, you know, and it's, uh, it's ready to go for this weekend. And that's why Donald Trump says it's the funniest show and I'm the funniest man on television. According to Donald Trump, so you should, you should watch it. It's kind of cool. Anyway, uh, the Economist YouGov poll shows Newsmax among the most trusted news channels. That's kind of cool. Right up there with old uh, Fox News and CNN and MSNBC. I'm not sure who exactly trusts MSNBC. Crazy people, I guess. Crazy people trust uh, 
uh, MSNBC. <laughs> but uh, but um, Newsmax right up there. And, and one of the reasons is that with Newsmax, you you know what you get. You have uh, trusted newscasters, um, and, and they're not going to change. They're not going to just, oh, okay, well, I'm somebody completely different on election night or whatever. And uh, if you get a chance to, I'm going to be on Carl Higby's show. It's called Frontline. Five o'clock tonight, and uh, I'll be talking with uh, with Carl about a number of things. And uh, if you don't know about Carl, he uh, he joined the Navy SEALs at 19 years old. 9/11 happened. He served the country proudly, and I'm just honored to be a part of the same team that he's on. Uh, so watch the show tonight and every night, if you would, in DVR. And it is called Carl P- uh, Higby Frontline. Frontline. There you go. So um, a couple of things here I want to get to. Um, this is, uh, oh, this is funny. So there's already uh, some word on social media that in Chicago, uh, teens are going to do the same thing they did last weekend. So last weekend, you had cars destroyed. You had people up on buses. You had a couple people shot. Teenagers out of control. And I've talked about it extensively yesterday, the decay of the, uh, uh, the urban family, people of color. And it should be fairly, fairly obvious. You've got 13 times the national average murder, black-on-black violence. You've got uh, schools failing uh, massively to the tune of, I think, 23 schools in Baltimore, high schools that don't have a single child who is uh, up to uh, snuff with regard to math and, uh, and, uh, and writing. Um, and the same goes in, uh, in Illinois, 100-plus schools. Nobody, nobody proficient in math or reading. There you go. And they're planning on doing the same thing this weekend. This is why people are leaving Chicago. This is why uh, Walmart is closing up shop four. The big Walmarts are closing because they've never been profitable because they keep getting robbed blind. And Chicago, for some reason, has doubled down on Lori Lightfoot's failing and put Brandon Johnson in office, which I would... I would say that isn't the will of the people. I would say that's the will of uh, teachers, unions, and big government. That's what I think. So you figure it out from there. But uh, I don't think the people of Chicago are down with defunding the police and down with kids robbing and, and, uh, and destroying and looting. But here is a Brandon Johnson. He's saying that kids, like last weekend, the ones who destroyed the Tesla and shot people, and last week 40 people were shot in uh, Chicago. Eight of them died. Uh, all but two of them were in their 30s. The rest were in their either 21 and younger. But here is your new mayor in Chicago, which, dear God in heaven, they should recall. They should already start recalling, talking about these, these kids making silly mistakes. Look, demonizing children is wrong. We have to keep them safe as well. Have you ever taught middle school? I have. Have you ever raised young people? Do you understand the risk that young people take just because they're young? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, I've got a 17-year-old daughter and 23-year-old son, and they have never gone into the city because of a social media event and uh, looted, destroyed, and burned stuff. Do you know that home plate is at Even the- Even when they were 14! Bottom of my stairs? I found it out when my son was sliding down those stairs trying to score. I tell you what, you, uh, you slide down them st- uh, stairs all you want. But if your kid gets in my face with a gun or tries to break out my windshield, it's going to be a different story. They're young. Sometimes they make silly decisions. They do. And so we have to make sure that we are investing to make sure that young people know that they are supported. Yeah. Uh... Not sure when the funeral for Chicago should be, but there is going to be an observation, I believe, the next couple of years. 
Hey guys, it's Karsten. If you don't know already, I am live in the famed Rush Limbaugh slot, noon to three Eastern Standard Time on talk radio stations across the country, and the replay of every show is available everywhere you find podcasts. Just search Rob Carson Show. Make sure to check out my TV show on Newsmax called Rob Carson's What in the World? Follow me on social media, and above all, don't catch the stupid. stupid, stupid. 